0: You like my new ride? (laughs) Isn't this great? Good Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Baptist Church this morning. We are delighted to have you worshiping with us this morning. I hope that you've been reading reverse all week long. We've been in John chapter 12. And it's also my hope that you read the whole chapter If you did, you'll know that that this begins with Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, to begin Passover week, the celebration of Passover, that would ultimately lead to the cross. So as we begin worship with that in mind, let me read Matthew's account of this, starting in Matthew 21, 6 to 11. It says this, "...the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them, and he sat on their coats." Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus, from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. May the rest of our worship declare that this is Jesus, the Christ, our Savior and Lord. So let us sing as they sang this morning, All glory, laud, and honor belongs to Jesus the King. Hymn 126, standing to your feet, let us sing. this morning say Hosanna to the highest.
1: Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are grateful that you are here. Uh, if you are a visitor this morning, uh, welcome. We, we hope that you'll fill out one of these blue cards in the pew back in front of you. Uh, let us know your name because we'd like to get to know you a little bit. And welcome to our TV congregation. Uh, we're grateful that you've tuned in this morning. Uh, it's a good morning. And today is a special day. Um, you, you may not be aware... Today is the 158th birthday of this church. Uh, isn't that amazing? <laughs> T- today is our birthday. And so in, in this day we celebrate. And we celebrate with God because our God who ordained our history and did a mighty work in this church the last 158 years um, is a glorious God who, if he does no other thing, deserves our praise. But, but even beyond that, we know the God that ordained this history, that ordained this birthday, has given us a, a, a great future. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have a future in our God. And so we praise him for that this morning as well. So as we come and we gather in this place, it is to lift up that name that is above every other name, who's giving us a past and who's giving us a future. And it's molding us into men and women of God who who we were created to be. And so, let's worship together this morning. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this time. Lord, we're grateful for the last 158 years for men like John Hermodius Thurmond. All the way through to men like Don Guthrie. How you led... Lord, how you you steered us exactly where we needed to be. Lord, we we praise your name this morning for that, for that deep history. Lord, we pray that as we look forward, we would recognize your kingdom, point to your kingdom, and know in our hearts that this is all for you. And so we come together to worship in your name and for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray.
0: Amen. Although it's not Lent or the Easter season quite yet, our, our readings have kind of taken us and put us in that context. And as you, as you read this, and we've just come from the Christmas season, and you know that even in the manger was the shadow of the cross. Because Jesus had to come And he had to bear it all for us. So even even in the moment of celebration was the shadow of the cross. And as Jesus enters Jerusalem for the last time on that earthly ministry, he was the shadow of the cross. And as he's talking to his disciples, he's, he's thinking about where this is leading. And indeed, if we are called into God's service, there's going to be times that are going to be hard to bear. James talks about that. James, the first chapter, the second and third verse, it says this, When we face those moments, consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So as we sing and as we tell the story of Jesus, we recognize the cross over all things, but truly because we gather here on Sunday, we gather in the light of his resurrection. So all things are worth it with Jesus. Let us celebrate. 572, I love to tell the story. Let's sing together. seated.
1: And children, come on down. Come meet me down here. I've got some things for you. Here, I'll scoot in right here. All right, come on. Come on down. Uh, it's good to see all of you this morning. Thank you for coming. All right, I, got, I have something really small. That I'm going to show. You. Actually, it's two really small things. We'll let everybody come down here before we see, and and I want you to to see them and see. See, you may have to you may have to look real close. All right. So first, inside this uh, Ziploc and on that piece of paper, there's something real small in there. Can you see it? Yeah. Can Can you see what that is? Does yeah. that help? Does that help you see? Can you Can you see? Yes. Uh, 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 what 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 is it? It's not a ladybug. Can anybody tell? me? Yeah, that's a, that's a seed. Now let's look one more. There's one more right here. Look at this right here. You see that little thing in there up against the paper? Can you see it? Do you, can, can you see that right there? Yeah. What, does anybody tell me what? Do you know what this is? It, what, what is this that I'm holding in my hand? It's close, not, not exactly. No, not a piece of mulch. No, it's not dirt. It's the same thing as this. What was that? It's a seed. That's right. There are two different kinds of seeds. This one's a little bit darker. That one's a little bit lighter. seed. does anybody have any idea what these seeds are? Do you know what they are? What's the darker one? Do you an know? Apple seed. Yeah, this is an apple seed. That's right. That's what an apple seed looks like. Does anybody, you know what, what that is? What kind of? Yeah, y'all are good. That that's an that's an orange seed. So, when you take a little seed like this and it gets planted, what does it grow into? Well, at first, before it's an apple, it has a tree, right? And then you grow, and then it produces an apple, right? So this, this little seed becomes this apple that looks like that. The same thing with this, right? So this this little seed, you plant it in the ground, and what happens? Yeah, you get an orange tree comes up, and then you, you get oranges that look like this. Now, the reason why we have these seeds here this morning, is Jesus uses that analogy in today's text. I want you to listen as we do the sermon, and as we read through the text today, listen for when Jesus talks about a seed. Because he doesn't talk about an apple seed or an orange seed. He actually talks about a different kind of seed. And I want you to listen real carefully for what kind of seed Jesus talks about. Because when he gets to it, he's using that for a very specific purpose. And he wants you to know the story of his crucifixion. And so listen carefully for how he describes the crucifixion, and he says that crucifixion was like a seed. When, when I was crucified and, and I was buried, I kind of went into the earth, and then I was buried and I was raised up again, and I came out again and bore much fruit in my life, became something, something great in that. And so that's how he described his life with that seed turning into fruit. So listen real carefully in the sermon for that today, and listen for what kind of seed Jesus talks about in the text, okay? Okay. All right, let's pray and we'll go. Father, we thank you for our time together today. And we pray that as we come to your word, you would help us to love it deeply. Lord, to to love your word, to be in a relationship with you. And Lord, show us your ways. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Good job.
0: Hymn 67 is Come Ye Disconsolate," and it is probably one of my favorite poems in all of the hymnal. And if you don't know this, if you're not familiar with this tune or this poem, I hope that you'll just memorize these last words of every verse. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot cure. And earth has no sorrow but heaven can remove. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus understands. Come unto me, he says, all ye who, who are wearied, who labor. There's nothing that, that Jesus cannot understand as we, when we bring to him. So as we come preparing to hear from the word this morning, come with your whole heart. Whatever it is that is burdening you, the joys or the valley, let's worship fully this morning. Hymn 67, let's stand. <laughs>
1: If you would, pull out your listening sheet, looks like this. We're going to read together the text for the day, it's at the top of your sheet. So once you find that, let's, let's stand and we'll read the text together. This then is the text for today. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. May God bless the reading of his word. In my sermons in recent days, one of the things that that I've tried to do and one of the things that has seemed helpful is is having a, a single unifying analogy where you have one analogy that kind of runs through the sermon, an image that, that helps you uh, mark the truth with, with a picture to help us remember uh, and learn in that way. And, and this week, uh, Jesus helps us out here. Jesus is the one who, who gives us the specific analogy of the week and the analogy that we need and the analogy that I hope we take with us. He gives us this analogy of this little seed And we see the seed. We see the seed around us, uh, sometimes even in ourselves. And it's as if there's this seed and and we, we have this seed, we are this seed and it's just there sitting on a shelf. In fact, I'm sure as Jesus looks over this congregation as all others, he sees a number of us just like this, as a little seed up there sitting on a shelf. And that makes no sense. It makes no sense for a little seed to to set itself and and be parked right there on the shelf. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to tell us in this text in John 12. It, It makes no sense for the seed to sit there stuck on the shelf. A seed stuck on a shelf is, is a lifeless existence, stuck out of place. A seed on a shelf will never realize the grand future that could have been. Now, sure, that, that seed exists, and it existed there on the shelf, but a seed on a shelf is devoid of any purpose and beauty. And, you know, that's where many of us find ourselves today. Even many Christians today, we find ourselves devoid of purpose and beauty. And Jesus, He's here this morning reminding us there's a better way. In fact, there's a way where you can find deep, meaningful purpose in the great beauty of this life. There's a better way than than just a seed sitting up there on the shelf. Now, the difficulty is we know and and we can see uh, that way looks unappealing on the surface. And that's, that's the real difficulty for us. The, the, the unappealing way is, is what comes after. But Jesus is showing us the way. He's giving us the example of the way. He's telling us the way. It's here in the text. I'm going to show you where we're going next. In fact, let's look down there. Let's look at John 12. You open your Scripture. We're going to read, kind of bounce all over the, the text today. Let's look at John 12, 24 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. As, as Jesus describes this wheat kernel, it, it, it's falling down onto the ground and, and seeks, uh, sinks into the earth. That, that if you, if you are a, um, a seed up on a shelf, that would seem unappealing, to fall down onto the earth and into the earth and be broken open. Why in the world would I want that to happen if I'm sitting comfortably up on the shelf? If I'm comfortable here, why would I want to be broken open down in the dust of the earth? But that question's for later. Here in this moment, Jesus is is describing himself as he is in in 27 and 28 and 34. This is the language of glory. This is the language of the Messiah, our Christ, being lifted up. And and all of that and, and practically all of this passage is pointing us to the crucifixion. It's a foreshadowing of the cross and Jesus saying the glory of God is found in the cross and that is where we are headed next. The, go- the gospel clarifies all of this if we look down in, in 12, verse 33. But Jesus was saying that, uh, saying this, to indicate the kind of death which he was going to die. All of this that he's saying and all of the work of his life is pointing to the crucifixion. And, and so when we get to, to verse 27, there, there is an odd question there. It's similar to that Garden of Gethsemane prayer where Jesus says, and he asked this question, should I pray God save me from this hour? And he can't pray such a thing, one, because it's it's the will of God for this to happen, but two, this is the exact purpose the Messiah has been put on the earth for. Jesus Christ, our God incarnate, gave up the glory of heaven to be put on the glory of the cross. And that's exactly what we needed. That's why he came, to put on that glory of the cross, because it is what we needed on this earth for us to be healed, for us to find purpose, for us to know beauty. Jesus had to go to the cross on our behalf. There was no other way for him, so he can't pray, take this from me. And the language here is amazing. In this passage, as Jesus is describing the crucifixion, it's not a burden for him. It's not something that he looks upon with disdain. In fact, it's it's different for us. Often for us, when we see trouble on the horizon coming, when we see suffering set in front of us, our reaction is very different. Our, Our reaction is to run. Our reaction is to avoid. And here Jesus looks upon this crucifixion, the suffering that he is about to endure, and he looks upon it and says, This is my glory. This is a moment of obedience unto God for our sakes. Jesus is glorified and lifted up and, and as God is glorified and lifted up. You know, we, we know that, that Jesus prays in the garden, and we know in, in the garden He prays, "Father, take this cup from me." And that, that sounds awfully human. Take this cup. From me. That sounds like something we might pray, but, but that's, that's not the entirety of the, the statement either. That, that's not what, what Jesus is, is praying there. We have to be careful. Je- Jesus doesn't pray, take this cup from me. He says, if it's your will, and he says, I will submit to your will no matter what it is. The will of God be made complete. Even if I have to step into this suffering, the will of God will be made complete. God will be glorified through this. This is the glory of God to walk to the cross. In fact, in Hebrews 12, it it links the crucifixion even with the word joy. Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured this cross. You see, in that, what, what we're understanding in this, in these passages, is Jesus could see beyond the suffering into the reality of holiness. And it's similar for us when we're called to obey. When we're called to obey God, when we're called to obey Scripture, we have to look further than the inconvenience, because often we find ourselves reading the Beatitudes, or even reading the Ten Commandments, reading the words of God, and our first reaction, our gut human reaction, is that seems awfully inconvenient. That seems awfully out of place with the plans that I have for my life. But see, when we're called to obedience, to, to walk towards Christ, we can, we can see past that inconvenience into the reality of holiness where joy is found. Right? It, it's, it's more than an inconvenience that we don't want to underta- undertake. God has something great and important in it. And so Jesus said, I'm like a little seed, a little seed that's not stuck up here on a shelf, but a seed that has fallen onto the ground, into the ground, has broken open, buried. And in, in all of that in, in that, in that suffering, in that brokenness, something great came up out of it. The resurrection and the ascension of our Lord and fruit beyond belief. One of the, the incredible things about that fruit, in, in one, of, one of the, the partial pieces of that fruit is, is the great history of this church being here 158 years to testimony to that crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We, we, we are part of that fruit, even us as individuals, we're, we're part of that, that fruit that grew up out of that resurrection of our Lord. You know, it, it, it's kind of fuzzy. Uh, the, sometimes it's hard with definitions and what we mean by this, but according to, to Pew Research, Right now, today, there are 2.3 billion Christians in the world. You know, that's an amazing feat for a man crucified as a criminal. Nothing short of a miracle at the hand of God. That Jesus had to be buried and, and, and raised up for the people of God to be raised up, for His kingdom to come to fruition on this earth, for us to, to see the church grow and be the work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit on this earth. You know, that, that's, that, was, that all began back there in that cross. Jesus had to be crucified and buried and, and raised again so that we could be made right with God. See, that this is what happens for us. When we believe this and we repent, we are made right with God. That The beginning of faith is that simple. To believe that Jesus Christ was the seed, buried, broken for us, and raised up into something glorious for God. And when we believe that and repent, we're made right with our God. But that's just the beginning of the journey. You see, there are some of those 2.3 billion Christians who get that belief part right, uh, similar to our text today. They, they believe that Jesus was that little seed, fell down to this earth, broken, raised up. They believe it. Yet they themselves are as a lonely seed stuck upon a shelf. They believe, but there's no marked difference in their lives. They believe, but they have yet to know the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. And our, our prayer is, is may we, we never be that in this place. May we never be that in this place again. Not, not as a little seed stuck up on a shelf, but, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, something new and something bearing fruit, something holy in this place. Look down with me at verses 42 and, and 43. Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. See, here in our text, there are those who are said to believe, but they cannot quite commit themselves to follow Jesus Christ. And that's part of that belief. When we believe, we commit to follow Jesus wherever he goes. You see, the, the belief that's described here in verses 42 and 43 sounds a lot more like the, those demons in James 2, where in James 2, he, he reminds us that the demons believe in God. The demons believe in Jesus Christ, and they, they shudder. You, you can believe in Jesus and shudder, but we, we'll believe in Jesus and be something more. We're going to follow Him wherever He goes. See, but you can, you can believe in Jesus. And you can be just a little seed stuck up there on a shelf all your life. No better than the Pharisees who cared more about the approval of men rather than the glory of God. See, because belief in Jesus is, is more. Belief in Jesus leads us further down a road into repentance where our life is handed over to the Christ and beyond repentance even into suffering. Look down at verse, verse 25 with me. He who loves his life... Um, loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Um, Immediately after Jesus gives us the seed analogy, he he points us to a, a different reality that just like him, we have to die. We have to die to self, right? So, the selfishness, the ego has to die. We are crucified with Christ, and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. That's that's what we're taught as the the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. Our old selves, our flesh, our selfishness, our ego is crucified on that cross with Jesus Christ. And we are made something new in this world according to the likeness of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. We die to self and Christ lives in us as new. And you know, to, to our bewilderment... There are days, as, as we are walking along in that journey, we're, we're walking along and, and God is holding our hand. And even holding our hand, God walks us straight into suffering. Takes us right into the pain of this world. And as He does that, it, it's part of our dying to self. And He's building up a character in us that's more like the, the, the Christ. It's more like the kingdom of God than this world. Because one of the things that we need to understand, and I think we're, we, we, we're getting there, is that we, even us in this room, but, but the world as well, we, when we are apart from Christ, have an innate selfishness built in. And it's a selfishness that, that sort of it, it, it cloaks itself as self-preservation, and it drags us towards death. By the power of God, what, what happens is we come in near and follow Christ. We begin to lose that selfishness that masquerades as self-preservation. And we, we lose those, those urges of selfishness and we long more for the kingdom of God. And may, may that, that spirit settle on this place. And, 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 and we know that, that when we begin to, to lose that, that self-preservation and selfishness, we, we hand that over to God. It, it, it's a beautiful thing in our faith and in our life. It has to be purged or it destroys us. And you see, God does this in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of painful ways. And we shouldn't shy away from what God has in store for us. You know, even sometimes there are even things that seem like they're, they're safe on the surface. And they become pivotal moments of pain intended for our growth. It's like when you you turn 18 and you move out of your parents' home for the first time. There are days where you're filled filled with doubt and hurt. The things that you have to overcome to, to be out on your own that you must endure to learn the realities of life and the way this world works. You know, there's, an, there's another way that, that God uses pain to help us die to self. Another, the, another way that He does that is, is in our families. That, that we need our families, and, and, and your family needs you to learn how to not be selfish. It's one of the great training grounds that God uses. That you give up your entire life for your family, or at least that's the biblical model. Right? The biblical model set in front of us is we, we lay down our lives for our family, The call to husbands is is you treat your wife like Christ treated the church. You give up everything for her. You die for her. You you die for your family. And and God's teaching us about life and theology through the choppy waters of family. And so we don't run from that struggle, but we grow in the struggle of family. God is building us up and building our character, building us up into something holy and good. You see, when we come to those moments like we have in our families when we have to consider someone else or, or if we, we have the great blessing of children, we have to consider them, it's, we very quickly realize our lives are no longer our own. And it's just like if we have to give up our, ourselves to God. We, we are no longer our own. And so God's teaching that, us that in our families. You are no longer your own. You're, you're a part of something much greater than that. And you know, this is... This is one of the reasons. There's many, but this is one of the reasons that marriage numbers are down. And one of the reasons that a birth rate is at an historic low. See, one, one of the reasons is non-Christians are realizing this. And this is what I mean. They they phrase it like this that, that children and marriage inhibit your carefree lifestyle, which is absolutely true. Marriage and children do inhibit your carefree lifestyle. It's one of the ways God teaches us, grows us. See, family is one of those arenas where God shapes your life into something holy. You begin to understand the biblical principle that you are not your own. You know, as much as we want to be, we're not intended for personal use. Your, 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 your life and your body are not your own. See, God, God, they belong to God. God is building you up in, into something greater than yourself. And so you're, yourself is given over to God in obedience and sacrifice. It's like Romans 12.1 says, I heard you, brothers, pr- uh, present your bodies uh, living in holy sacrifice acceptable to God. This is your spiritual service of worship. You're, you're giving up your body unto the Christ. So I hope we hear in this, when, when, when you come to Christ, you cannot remain as a seed stuck up on the shelf. You must commit to an obedience that falls off the shelf, becomes something more. You must commit to an obedience that, that walks through the refiner's fire by the hand of God. You see, though, though many in the world around us try to, to spend their lives escaping servitude, the biblical reality, and, and really, quite frankly, the human reality, is that you will always indeed serve someone. You're either serving the ruler of this world or you're serving the Lord God above. It's always one or the other. Uh, Sometimes it's disguised for us because sometimes we think serving our own urges or serving our own imagination feels like we have escaped this bondage. But that's an illusion of Satan. Even when we we submit to, to the imagination of the self and when we give in to our own imagined whims, you're falling towards a destruction you cannot come back from, apart from our Lord and Savior, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in this world. And so we do. Every day we choose this day whom we are going to serve, our God above or the dark ruler of this world. Now, sometimes we do. We fail to notice it. because. Because our default, our default setting is to chase after the world. Or our default setting is to chase after our own imaginations. And Jesus is warning us that that leads in destruction, destruction. when we chase after the world and chase after our own imaginations. That's, that's a different kind of bondage that leads to death that you don't want to know. And, and we can no longer do that. that. That's not who we are in Christ. But we are going to be resolved to follow our Jesus Christ wherever he is leading and are saying, those that love me, aren't those that, they don't just believe in me, but they believe in me and they follow me wherever I go, even unto death. Right? Even when Jesus marches from here to the cross, he's saying, you follow me. You follow me to the cross and you crucify yourself so that you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. We follow him even unto death. You see it down in verse 26. He says, wherever I'm going, that, that's where you follow. And so we no longer go where we want to go, where our imagination takes us, but we, we go only where Christ goes. And Jesus gives us the, the same example at the end of the chapter in verses 49 and 50. Jesus himself, the Son of God, is, is describing his words and his speech on this earth. He says, I'm not even speaking on my own accord. But as the, the Father speaks, as the Father initiatives are... That's what I speak. that's what I say. That, that's what determines the words of my mouth. And, and the, with grace and love, I preach truth and truth alone. And so, so even as Jesus walked on this earth, he served, he was obedient, he was a humility, he was humble. And, and we're not greater than our master. We're going to walk those same roads that he walked by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we, we must be resolved. Resolve to follow Jesus wherever He goes, even death on a cross. You see, because as you begin to follow Jesus, one of, one of the, the great, um, wonderful places that He is going to lead you into with great joy is He's going to lead you straight into suffering and straight into serving. Because it's in, that, it's in that suffering and it's in that serving where He's preparing us for what's next and preparing us for His glory. That, that, that's part of that coming into relationship with Jesus Christ is, is, is walking through service and walking into suffering with Him. And, and we can do it because we're not alone. The hand of God is with us. The Holy Spirit is in us and through us, guiding us along this path. And so we're going we're gonna to be resolved to obey Wherever He goes, we're going to follow, to serve and to suffer for His glory. Let's pray together. Father, we, we come to this moment knowing that, that we are weak and smaller than a mustard seed. But, Lord, you are a mighty and loving God, a God who prepares the way, a God who instructs, nurtures your children. And so, we, we come before you this morning longing for the movement and the work of your Holy Spirit because, Lord, we know that we can't do this alone. Lord, we can't walk this this route without your guidance. So, Lord, please come and lead. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We're going to have our our time of response now. We pray that everybody in here responds to God in some way this morning. So, let me give you uh, a few specifics that, that you can do. Maybe pull out your listening seat and draw an image from the text from today. The image that, that God has given you or showing you. Or maybe take some time to journal on there. How, how is God calling you to be obedient this morning? Put that down on paper. How is God working on your heart this morning? Put that down on paper. That makes it a little bit more real for us. Uh, also know the, the altar is open. We, we need to use this for prayer. Thanking God for our past, preparing us for our future. Come and pray. Maybe you need to pray where you are. Uh, you, can, you can stay right where you are, stay seated, grab somebody else, pray. We need, we need to be responding to God in those ways this morning. Maybe you need to, to talk about joining this church or accepting Christ. Brian will be here. I'll be on this side. Uh, we'd love to receive you and pray with you and visit with you. So come down. This is the time to do that. And we're going to sing. We're going to give. And, and as we do that, we're going to sing and we're going to give with all of our heart. We don't take this lightly. This is for the glory of God. So let's stand and let's respond.
0: Be seated. Please continue to worship.
1: Let me turn your attention to our life together. This evening, we have a wonderful privilege. Uh, We have uh, nine new deacons coming to serve this church and serve in this church, and tonight is that ordination, and so we hope you come and and be a part of of recognizing these servant leaders and praying for them and worshiping with them tonight. Uh, We anticipate it being a beautiful service, so come tonight at 6. Um, for our deacon ordination. And next week, next weekend, uh, January uh, 25, 26, and 27, we have our all-church retreat, which I have not yet been to, but I have heard it's wonderful. And so I will be there Saturday and looking forward to that. I know that's gonna be a good time in the life of this church. So we hope you come. We hope you make that a priority. Let me tell you uh, another thing that we make a priority in this church. Uh, we believe that God honors marriage. And so we work hard to support marriage and be the um, the marriage support that we need to be in this church and in the city. And, and one of the ways that we do that with the Panthers help run that ministry. We have a, a ministry called Reengage, and that that begins February 10th. And it's a, it's a way and a time to strengthen your marriage, and it's for marriages of of all ages and anniversaries. Um, this is a time to come together and strengthen and honor your marriage and. These are well done uh, times and uh, you would find great grace there. So, I hope you take the time to consider that re-engage ministry. And also, we have a welcome to the world today. Uh, Nathan and Stephanie Cobbler have a little baby girl, Sedona, uh, born on January 12th. And what a beautiful little baby. Um, uh, Call them, text them, congratulate them on this new life that, that God has brought into this world. And one more, that, you see the altar flowers in front of me. Um, these are for the glory of God and celebration of a 50th wedding anniversary for Ron and Nancy Boehrin. And so praise God for, for them, you tell them, you, you love them, and uh, give them a big hug. Honor them in, in that time of marriage. Brian, c- come forward.
0: Church family, we have, uh, from time to time, there are people who, uh, for one reason or another, are unable uh, or find it problematic to to get here due to uh, medical difficulties or age or so forth. Uh, This morning, and we we make a way for these folks to join in absentia, Uh, and so this morning uh, we present uh, Joe Williams and her husband Dan Williams, uh, for membership here from uh, Charlotte, um, from First Baptist Church in Charlotte, Texas.
1: Good, thank you. So the, these two are part of our TV ministry and very much can still be a part of this church. So if you look forward in welcoming, 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 can say welcoming, Dan and Joe into this fellowship, would you say Amen? amen. And. We love you. Thank you.
0: Okay, so if you say I, that still counts, okay? So I or amen, that still counts. Is that right, Pastor Chris? Right. We'll get used to you. <laughs> Have faith in God, everybody. Let's stand in let's be dismissed.